0: Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today through the video, like we've been doing every week. Our midweek video going over the sermon from this past Sunday. And so we want to do that again this morning with uh, Pastor Scott, Pastor Spencer, and myself. I'm glad that you're with us. Uh, We're in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the sermon, This is the first imperative that we get in Paul's writing here of Ephesians of actually telling us to do something. And it's a simple word of remember. You would hope maybe for something more like, now go conquer the world. Now go uh, make disciples of all these nations. Like, now go do all this. But it not it? He kind of says, remember, you know, remember who you were to to this Gentile church. And so I did spend kind of, I spent kind of a, Uh, A lengthy time I felt in the introduction talking about the importance of remembering and how we have set up within our country, within our families, within our church family. I just think it's kind of normal for humanity, and there's probably a reason for this biblically, but for us to uh, remember the past and to try to think about the past and where we have been and where we were. I think an interesting thing when we look at like church history and Spencer you could talk to this more because you're doing the Sunday school class through church history but a lot of the problems that we face in the church currently when it comes to like theology or like biblical doctrine things aren't aren't new are they they're like you could go back centuries and we mm-hmm. see kind of the same yeah. the same things do you have one one example maybe off the top of your head that's a
1: big one um i mean there's there's any numbers like one of the things right now i think of is a uh, it's the, the heresy of Gnosticism, which is simply the idea that a uh, early the early heresy was that you know you're uh, you're just uh, trusting this inner light, this secret knowledge that's and it's not really you're not really a sinner. You're just needing to get back home to where you really need to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, there's a the not, Jesus then just becomes the way to get you back to the place that you rightfully deserve to be. Right, and that's what we see in so many forms of of. Christianity, popular Christianity, is really that right. that being played out, whether it be in the prosperity gospel or whatever yeah. else. It's actually just trusting this mm-hmm. secret knowledge that Jesus comes yeah. to give me some really cool insight that's going to lift me up <clears throat> back home where I need to be. And I'm sure we'll discuss some of that more because in our podcast, we're going to
0: record a couple podcasts today. And we're starting a new series, I think, right? Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. progressive Christianity, which it's gonna—you yeah. <laughs> hear that a lot with yeah. like the deconversion stories and stuff of this new knowledge that was attained and mm. realizations. And so, mm. we'll talk more about that in the podcast if you're mm. interested about that. But yeah, I mean, you can go all along the line. I mean, stuff with the Trinity—yeah, <laughs> was dealt oh, yeah. with greatly back in history. Still, sure. still problems today sure. that you hear. Um, so all kinds of things where we can learn from our past and we learn from history. You know, you think about like uh, when World War I, World War II happened, these were called the wars to end all wars. And mm-hmm. why? Because they were in the midst of some horrible things. And for, so for the people who lived then after that war, it was like, we never want to do this again. We, we need to learn from this so that the world doesn't do this again. But you see, you know, not too far removed from that and not even 100 years to where I don't think anybody would be surprised today if we found out, War's we're we're uh-huh. gonna be in a war with a with a lot of countries. Uh-huh. And it's almost like we need to do a little better learning. And so Paul is telling this church, remember, remember who you were as Gentiles, and he says that because he says, At one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. And so he's talking about the sign of the covenant that God had established with the Jewish people of circumcision. And the Jews weren't the only ones who uh, had circumcision back then, but God used this as a sign for the covenant. And so the Jews took it very literally that this fleshly sign made them special. And Paul's pointing out to the Gentiles, you don't have even the fleshly sign, right, of being a part of God's people. He's pointing this to them. And so in verse 12, he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ." Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God mm. in the world. Uh, what you know, we when you go to the Old Testament uh, and you look at the history of Israel, you see a lot of fighting and you see a lot of hatred. Not just, which we'll talk more about here in a moment. Not just Israel to. The Gentile people, or to these other nations, but you also see that reciprocated right away. I mean, even with Egypt, and then going into uh, into the different lands that God would take them, you see this this hatred right off the bat. There was this hostility uh, between God's people and those who and those who are not. And so, uh, Spencer, you had brought up before the video how we talked a lot yesterday about. Jewish hatred towards Gentiles, but we can't forget the Gentiles' mm-hmm. hatred towards mm-hmm. the Jews. And so I do think that's important to bring up, and I don't know if you wanted to speak no. to that at all in yeah. that also.
1: No, I think, I mean, I just think that that's just, it was reciprocal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both sides hate, and that's what I mean, that's what Paul's going to kind of later on talk about that hostility that existed. And in a sense, if I can put it this way, I'm not making excuses for sin, but at the same time, the Lord... Intentionally, at this time in redemptive history had separated Israel mm-hmm. from the Gentiles right now. That yep. was the specific purpose. So there was, in a sense, the law, the temple, circumcision, all of those things were intentionally... They were, in a sense, there to build walls around Israel because it wasn't time yet for the nations to be converted to Christ because mm-hmm. they needed to, to build this fence <clears> around <throat> Israel in order for Christ to come from them. So there is a sense in which... Um, that was part of the the plan because of the the dispensation at that time of of God's yeah. redemptive history but um, but at the same time it should have yeah. never given the israelites uh, and and God is very clear about this in old testament israel you never should think that you're special in the sense in which you're more righteous than those nations. The reason why I'm giving you this land is not because you're righteous. It's because they're wicked. Mm -hmm. He tells them that in Deuteronomy and because I love you. Mm -hmm. It's not because you're a better people or more numerous or greater or mightier.
0: Yeah. And in a sense, I mean, we still see that separation today. Wouldn't you say between the church and those who are not the church? I mean, there is a, you know, uh, a, a God calling a God loving, Uh, we see separation later in judgment Mm -hmm. of the sheep and the goats. And so there still is this understanding, I think, for Christians where we're not of this world. We are still different from Mm -hmm. this world, but that doesn't mean there's this absolute hatred. Sure. But yeah, Jesus would even use words like that. You know, if you love the world, you hate me. Mm -hmm. If you love me, Mm -hmm. you'll hate the world. It's like, wait a second. But he's not meaning go out and just hate everybody because of their sin or think that you're better than them. Right. Right. There Right. There
2: is still a little separation. Right. yeah <laughs> there's a i mean yeah i mean there's a pretty stark separation i mean that mm-hmm. that's i mean you could talk a lot about like what it means to be a member of a church mm-hmm. and there's there's definitely a not member a non-member mm-hmm. of a church you know and that's that's we see that as a as a big deal in church life mm-hmm. and what it means to be a member and how i had a person after a service yesterday ask me how do i become a member of this mm-hmm. church and that's a great question to ask, mm-hmm. and it's an important thing. But, like, there is a separation between a person who's a member of a church and who's not. Um, and there, I mean, in, in our understanding of what it means to be a church and, and a member of a church, there's there's some people that you would not allow in to be a member of a church uh, mm-hmm. for various reasons. I don't know mm-hmm. if we want to get into that right now, but okay. I kind of just opened a can of worms. But, um <laughs> But yeah, there is a separation. That is for a good reason, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so, yes,
0: we we definitely clearly see in the Old Testament, and I talked about this Sunday morning, how God had purposely separated Israel. Um, and so we don't want to look at the Jews and act like they set all this up on their own. No, God gave them the law. And within the law, it said some specific things about not intermarrying with the Gentile. and Because God knew if you do that, then their gods will start to creep in, which... We see did which yeah. we see did happen as they right. fell to that stuff, and other things that he would tell them about being clean and unclean. So there was there was that there, but then Israel turned this separation into this hatred, into this pride of themselves, of where they didn't care about the the mm-hmm. others, and we even see it with like the Samaritans and all this. We got all these different different stories, um, and that is where we see this big problem. Uh, I think even today, and I talked, I talked a little bit about it at the end of the service about being careful as Christians today of letting differences uh, divide us. And I don't know where your guys' minds go. I, th- I, can, I think of that in two realms. Um, one is between Christians and non-Christians. So there's obviously going to be differences between Christians and non-Christians. There should be. There should be a vast difference, really. Um, and so how do we handle those? How do we handle those differences and how do we deal with them? And so this could be church, I guess, relations, but I'm thinking more individual Christians relations to non-Christians and how they handle it at work, how they handle it in business, how they handle it with their family members. Um, and so how do we, how do we go about loving people that we know there is a difference there that could be a big difference in letting the difference be known, but still be loving an example that I think of, I've experienced this in my life personally. I think, I think maybe you guys have as well, and I've heard it from many different people in their life. Homosexuality is such a big thing now in culture that, uh, a lot of families have had somebody in their family come out and say, I'm gay. And maybe even living that lifestyle of like, hey, have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or getting married or whatever it might be, even trying to start a family with that. And so the question then comes up, what do I do as a Christian? You know, My aunt just did this or my cousin just is, this or my sister or my brother or whatever it might be. How do I handle this situation? I've, and I've had people come to me, I know, many times for for advice of what do we do now. And it's not, I don't think it's always cut and dry. I don't think it's always a clear, this is the correct answer. But I think that's a good example of of this when it comes to the Christian and the relationship with the non-Christian and the differences. you guys have anything to say? I guess you could speak to that example specifically if you wanted to, or just others. How do we approach this as Christians, how how what should be our response as the world continues to send and push back?
2: What what is our response? What do we do? Yeah, I mean that specific example that you brought up is really hard, and um, I don't know if there's clear right answers for because there's so many different situations that that come up um, in that, and it's it's hard. Uh, I mean, I've personally had yeah. to mm-hmm. to wade through some of those in my family. <clears throat> and so I understand if anybody's dealing with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but like another example I would think of that, uh, that, again, most people have probably experienced, I would think, I think recently of a friend who um, told me about a situation at work where They are trying to work diligently unto the Lord, which is how Christians should be working in our, in our vocations and diligently getting our work done, being the best employee that we can be if we are employed somewhere. But then other people that they work with are just lazy. Mm -hmm. And it always ends up that towards the end of the day, they've got to help this person get their stuff together because they're going to miss the shipment out or something like that or whatever. And, uh... Just frustration happens because of that, where we think, right. here I am, busting my tail, working unto the Lord, yet here I am supposed, expected to help this guy who's not getting his work done, mm-hmm. who's not pulling his weight here. And uh, yeah. yeah, 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 help them. Right. serve them, you know. And uh, because if, and, like the, the helpful thing, remembering, even some applying, like remembering who you are and where you've come from in a situation like that in, in your work, is you're not better than that person. Yeah. Even though you've mm-hmm. worked hard, you are no better in God's eyes because of what you've done mm-hmm. than that person is in their eyes and uh showing them grace in that situation even <clears throat> and even if you have to do it over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again can go a long way, even at opening that person's eyes to the gospel, what it means, and um, that's just an example I think of. Yeah. Uh, so
0: here's the struggle I have in those situations. So help, help me, help me out, okay? The sinner out here. I'm willing to do that, but I also feel it is my duty to let them know they're wrong. Is that appropriate? Is that right? Like. In the situation you're talking about, the sin might be laziness on on the side of this other individual, you know, or or disrespect of the boss or whatever it might be. And I have a sense as a Christian that I need to let them know the truth of how they should be acting, not just being graceful and helping them. I will do that, but I wouldn't be truly faithful if I didn't show them their error. What do you think about that?
1: I don't know. What do you think, Spencer? <laughs> I mean, what do you think, I, Spencer? Uh, <laughs> I are you guys talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like. Is that what the team <laughs> is? Is, a, yes, no, uh, is everyone trying to pick up my slack? This is awkward. That's good. Um, what should we do, Spencer? What should That's a Bunch of All right. Um, no, I think, I guess. I wasn't thinking about anybody here. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Sure, sure. Um, I, I guess I think there is probably a time for you, uh, um, you know, to, uh, I mean, obviously you want to, you want to work and serve and and do the very best, like Scott said, to the Lord, because that's exactly, explicitly what we're commanded to do in Scripture. Uh, I guess there, but that doesn't say there's not a time where you can take that um, individual aside and say, hey, you know... Um, you know, and just express your um, and you can you can be honest. You don't have to but you don't have to be mean about it, but you can still be honest and say, hey, you know, it's, it's just making it difficult on us if we're all trying to do our part. I think there's an appropriate time to interact with that person, talk to them about that. Or if it's, if you felt like it was such a bad issue and, and maybe you've talked to them, it may be an issue to bring it to your, to your employer, to the person above you, because that's their job. You're not, you're not breaking the chain of command. So I guess you, um, and that's also part of your job to make sure, you know, like if, uh, if you're not able to do your stuff and you're always having to, I mean, that's also
2: just making sure the whole atmosphere, yeah. Um, yeah, what, I mean, I guess the specific a, it, uh, actions you take in the situation, like yeah. we could get lost in the weeds right. easily, but I think what's really important yeah. in, in this example is what's your heart yeah. towards sure. that person? Sure. Are you, do you revel at the fact that they're not going to get their work done and they're going to get in trouble? That's not a Christian perspective, I think, to have, and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a Christian <clears throat> position of heart yeah. to want for people to get in trouble. Right. and to want to watch people right. suffer right. for their mistakes. Right. yeah, And right. that is certainly, whatever the right thing to do is, mm-hmm. that is certainly not the right thing to do. That's not the goal. But that's what we're tempted to do right. often. Right. When we as Christians see people living in such a way that they, whether it's at your job or morally, mm-hmm. make mistakes that lead to bad consequences for them, <clears throat> our role as Christians is not to sit there, sit back and laugh, and watch them struggle. Mm. Like we are called to love those people Mm -hmm. and to recognize that not long ago I was in that exact Mm -hmm. situation. And I'm out of it not because of what I did, but because of what Christ did for me. You know, and that just remembering Mm -hmm. that motivates you in a way to love and serve people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
0: think this Mm -hmm. is where Christians have gone astray so often. And that's why I bring this question up because um, it is something I feel sometimes, you know. You know, I use a lot of examples on myself. I think people need to know this. I do it in the pulpit, and I do it here, and sometimes I exaggerate uh, my feelings. You were feelings. exaggerating the $100 bills? No, I wasn't that. I don't like those. people, if they don't like me, they get rid of them to me. Um, but, like, I will. I think sometimes it comes across like, I think Pastor Tim's a really bad guy. Like, he... Like yesterday, he really hates everybody from the South. No, that's not true. I was just using my little inklings that I feel sometimes and making them bigger so that everybody can understand to give examples. And this would be one too. I think Christians need to close their mouths more often than open their mouths. And I think we see that in Proverbs a lot of times about being wise by just being silent. And we're not the moral police. Uh, When I go to work you know wherever it is wherever i work it's not my job to correct everybody's actions and here's the problem if i'm going to try to correct my buddy's actions because he's lazy i'm not correcting the problem anyways he needs the gospel mm-hmm. right he needs christ and so i can berate him and yell at him and be mad at him for being lazy but again it doesn't fix it doesn't fix anything um yeah, like you said, we can get lost in the weeds and talk about how to solve this, and your relationship with the individual comes into play, and your command. You probably, honestly, you probably should never say anything to him because you're not the boss. Let the boss do it. Maybe go to the boss and say something, but you don't need. Anyways, the the problem is they need the gospel. And something I really wanted to say in the message and I didn't was, I think that's the issue with what we see going on in the world. Our world right now is trying to fix what they see as some problems, right? Which maybe which are realistic problems, mm-hmm. right? So a big one is uh, social justice and racism. How do we solve it? Well, you tell everybody to like everybody, right? Tell everybody to do all this stuff. Do we really think as Christians that that's the solution? That that's what's going to change people's mind is a debate or something like that? No. The only thing that's going to solve the problem of sin is the gospel, but then we also realize, hopefully, as the church, as Christians, we all have experienced the gospel. We've been given to God's grace, and yet still, amongst us is sin. There's wow. still all these struggles, right? We still try. We try to do what's right, but we're we're just not perfect. And so it's the same way of of, of I think at, at work. You know, I can't solve this guy's problem by yelling at him his issue of laziness. I can pray for him. But I can definitely pray for my heart in the matter. I can try to ask God to help me uh, in this matter. Um, And that's probably the first steps and the longest steps I think that should be took um, in these situations. I know for me, I've been really trying to think about, you know, the best thing to do is probably be quiet most of the time. right? Just sit back and (laughs) keep my mouth shut before I stick stick my foot into it. Okay, anyways. Uh, So that Jew-Gentile divide and the differences. Now, okay, so that was, so what we talked about there was individual Christians with non-Christians. How about within the church? So Christians and Christians. Where do you guys see maybe some times where we have let differences become hatred? Or like complete separation to the point of... I don't even want to see those people. Like, I'm not even going to talk. I'm not even going to talk to them. I don't I don't have anything in common with them. And so we are just going to
1: divide. What do you think? Or maybe even some in history. I mean, like, know, I guess the question is, like, what is divide? Like, I mean, that could be within the same church. Are you saying like, could that, be. And that's not yeah. like an ecclesiastical mm-hmm. division, like in the Whatever. sense of which. Whatever. That's just people not talking to each other. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, anything that is, uh, you know, really, um, any number of things, anything can divide us unnecessarily, Um, you know, uh, personalities, uh, practices uh, that are not necessarily sinful, you know, um, uh, cultural things unnecessarily can divide us, anything that's outside of Christ. See, um, is is wrong to divide over mm-hmm. you know yeah. I guess really I mean and whenever I say I mean anything that Jesus doesn't require of us to be Christians um, and call us to be you know like we follow him as Lord as our king Yeah. And so I guess anything um, you know sometimes we can be upset at other people and everything I remember my wife told me one time she uh, one of her mentors in seminary told her you know like uh They were like some, her and her sisters or something were uh, out and somebody said, oh, look at that person, look at what they're wearing or whatever. And then another one of their sisters says, are they sinning? No, then be quiet. (laughs) And probably that would take care of a lot of stuff in churches if we would just ask ourselves, well, are they sinning? If they're not disobeying the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to be quiet about it. And Mm -hmm. that goes for all of us. Also, um, you know, in dealing with problems within the church, things that can fester up. Um either, either if it's, if it's, if it's uh, big enough, you need to deal with it in the appropriate way. If it's not big enough, you just need to overlook it and move on. Yeah. And so a lot of those things that can be really petty or can be personal differences or whatever that can divide us um, in, in church life. I don't know if you had anything further you're thinking about yeah, no, on top I think, of that. No, I think that's I right. Know. I mean, I, I have things to say about this, but
0: some of the things that come to my mind that divide and where uh, people can get kind of prideful over it is music. Um, technology within the church, you know, you look down at churches who don't have a website. You look down at churches that don't have a fancy sign or all these different things, and you think they're not faithful or whatever. These things can come to your mind and you think, well, we have all this stuff and we're really striving and they're not even striving like we are because we're trying to reach these other people or whatever. And so we look down on them and we start to think that they're of lesser Breed than us of some sort
2: of Christian. I think it goes the other way too. Oh yeah, churches yeah, that don't I mean. have that yep. stuff, they look at churches <laughs> that have all that and they say they're trusting in technology to reach people. They're yep. they're doing all this. It goes both ways. Yeah, and that would be
0: my tendency. I start to question churches at times personally who are all all glitz and glamour, who have a lot of that stuff going on. And I sometimes I don't even ask the question, you know what are they preaching? What is really happening there? What is the statement? I don't know. They're off in the distance or a church in California or whatever. In my head, it's, it's, my my thing often is like, they're just all show. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know that. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't done the research to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know. But um, it becomes easy to, to think that way, right? Sure. Or look that way. Or, or the average church member, like I said, music seems to be a big thing for a lot of people. And and so this church over here has all this music, and they put a big effort into it, and this one doesn't. And so this, this one I like better. This mm-hmm. one's more faithful, and I'm going to look down on those churches or even the type of music. You know, Look at that church is playing bluegrass, and this church over here is singing just the psalms, and mm-hmm. this church over here is doing the pop stuff. And we fight about it, and we, we do look at each other differently over this. And the good question would be what you just said. Are they sinning? Like that church just sang this little light of mine and they all put their finger up and you think that's dumb. But are they sinning in what they just sang? You know, uh, is that song they sang from the radio, is it sinful? No, Mm -hmm. and those I think are good questions, but that's where it becomes very important. And I feel like we harp on this a lot in these videos and in the podcast. It's where it becomes so important, right? For us to know God and to know him better so that we can dissect the important issues from the non-important issues. And that's what you see, I think, from a lot of spiritually immature Christians is they're fighting battles that are not battles. It's like what you are fighting about is not a big issue here, right? You need to let it go. That is a Christian over there that you are trying to stab. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Know the big, But yet you'll see a big issue that isn't a big issue to them, and it's like, whoa! You need to be careful. You're reading this book by this author. Do you know mm-hmm. what this author teaches? Sure. Oh well, no. I just know that they. It's like, yeah. you need to know him better, mm-hmm. so that the fights that are worth fighting, we fight, mm-hmm. and the fights that aren't worth fighting, we don't get involved
2: in. Right, you right. don't have nothing to do with. Yeah, it. Right, I've and. Been the course of the conversation i thought of galatians 5 yeah. 13 says for you are called to freedom brothers mm-hmm. only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself but if you bite and devour one another watch out that you are not consumed by one another yeah and sadly
0: i think what gets a lot of noise and this is probably this probably is the case though because the faith a lot of faithful Christians are being quiet, but the people who get a lot of noise is I think some Christians who are belligerent, um, who are loud, who are quick to speak at times. and so our media, our culture hears from them more so than the faithful Christian doing their thing, going to work uh, and it, it paints a negative light at times, but I, I think we need to be encouraged as believers, to be faithful to the things that God has called us to be faithful to, to understand that we live in a world that's not ours. Uh, Sin is going to be around us. It's going to be a part of our life, and we just simply can't dodge it. Uh, You can't protect your kids from every sin in the world. It's impossible. You know, I I saw an uproar recently. I think it was Skittles or something, like, came out with a, the Skittles were all white, and it said, because the rainbow only should be for pride, you know, and... Don't eat Skittles anymore. Now listen, that would kill me if I'm not allowed to eat Skittles. I'm just being I gotta have my Skittles <laughs> sometimes. Don't be taking it from me. Is that right?
1: What? Should I eat Skittles? I mean I don't eat Skittles a lot. Why? They're really good. Your life would be changed. <laughs> Apparently so. Taste the rainbow. Taste the
0: rainbow. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Well, <laughs> but you see this uproar from Christians, you know, and oh, we're going to ban Skittles. Don't eat, don't eat Skittles anymore. Don't shop here. Don't do this. Don't do these different things. And it, it just comes across to me as pretty petty by Christians. Um, that's not our story. That's not what we have. What we have as Gentile Christians, what I think was so beautiful about this passage that we read. Is you have this picture of these Gentiles that Paul's talking about, so alienated, not just alienated from God, but alienated from the people of God, not being able to hear, not being able to go into the temple and be heard, because they won't. The people of God won't even speak to them. Completely alienated. But then in verse thirteen we get that beautiful phrase, right? But then God steps in, right. and the blood of Christ drew them near. And what they didn't deserve. It wasn't their heritage. It wasn't theirs. But God drew them in by the blood of his son, the blood of Christ. Because mm-hmm. why? Because he loved them. Yep. Because yep. he loved them. Yep. And that's our story. That's our story as Christians. Gentile Christians sitting here mm-hmm. today. The only reason I'm a Christian is because the blood of Christ brought me near. Nothing of my own doing. It's not because I'm smarter than everybody else. It's not because I'm holy. It's not because of anything. Mm-hmm. It's all God's blessings. And I really mean it. I look back in my life. I was born to a Christian family. I literally did nothing about that. Right. Nothing about that. Right. And I was able to hear the gospel since birth over and over and over and over again in a church family who loved me, which was this church family,
1: mm-hmm.
0: loved me and cared for me. And God used that in my life to pour out his grace in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to stand on on my own accord. right? And so to start throwing fiery darts at people all the time for every sin that they do, is very hypocritical, in my opinion, because I need to look at myself first and apart from God's grace, I'm just as bad as everybody else. Sure. Um, and so I should have a heart of compassion for these things. It should break my heart, you know, that these companies do this or these, these people are living these, this way and sin is whatever. But it should call me to want to care for them in a way that one tells them the truth but also one that embraces them and loves them and says, there's a God who loves you in the midst of your sin and can save you from it. Mm-hmm. And hope then that God will do a work in their life. Many will shun us. Many will turn us away. Many will say no. Many will ridicule. And that's okay. I don't have to return that favor. Yep. is what I'm getting at, right. I think. Right. You guys got anything else there? One of the things, hopefully, Spencer will touch on maybe this Sunday a little bit, because this Sunday's Lord's Supper, mm-hmm. um, but the Jews had the sign of circumcision. God has given us, right. as the church now, the signs of baptism in, in uh, the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. um, as a sign. And we can't, and one of the problems that was happening in the Corinthians church is they were holding that over people, weren't they, already sure. Sure. that soon, just like circumcision. Yeah. Uh, but we're not to do that. And so we do still have sign things today that were given to us to yeah. show we are in covenant yeah. With the
1: Lord doing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I should have mentioned mm-hmm. that probably in my message. I didn't, but. No, um, no that's good. That's it's good. It's true. I think, uh, yeah. That would be good. I, one thing I do think is just a side note, mm-hmm. uh, real quick before we go out of the thing. Yeah. Um, but verse 12, notice what he says, that at that time you were without Christ. This should just, again, be another inter- a clue for us how we read the Old Testament. Yeah. Paul interprets. The Gentiles not being a part of Israel in the Old Testament as being outside of Christ, mm-hmm. not being outside of God, not being outside of the Lord, but outside of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why? Because He reads the Old Testament as if Jesus is there. Right. Jesus is is mm-hmm. talking, speaking, walking in a sense before His incarnation amongst the people of Israel. Yeah. So to be outside of Israel was not simply to. Um, not get the promised land that real estate it was to be outside of jesus, jesus yeah. so again that's another clue for us that whenever we read the old testament and we find christ there we're not just pulling some crazy exegetical strings showing them in, yeah. he's there i'm just <clears> pulling <throat> him out he's there already and also you mentioned about as gentiles it reminded me of the verse from psalm 2 where the father tells the son ask of me and i will give the nations to you and for he your heritage you. yeah And that's what, and and apparently the the son wanted us. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. 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 The son wanted us. And he's, you know, you think about all those verses in the Mm -hmm. old Testament, Isaiah, you're, um, you're a glory to your people, Israel, and a light to the nations. He's the covenant given. Jesus is the covenant. And so just the love of, uh, this, uh, Jewish King for us Mm -hmm. is, is a wonderful reminder. Of our, of our King and our Savior. Yeah. And uh, the one in the Old Testament has fulfilled the promise. And uh, so now we're, we're children of Abraham too. Yeah, right. Co-heirs. That's right. That's right. That's good.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were with us uh, today through the video. If you ever have any questions or anything, call Spencer. No. <laughs> you can let any of us know. Uh, no, we. I, I liked it. I had somebody today texting me about a sermon from like a couple weeks ago. Mm. And they were asking me a question that I wasn't, like, really going in that direction with my sermon. Like, sure. no, and, but I told them afterwards, like, I'm glad you actually reached out to me and mm-hmm. didn't just assume assume That's good. something. That's good. And we were able to have this conversation. And so feel free uh, to do that anytime. Yeah. I think that is, that is good as you continue to study God's Word. I uh, mm-hmm. hope that you're doing that well. I hope that you have a good week. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday at worship. And so God bless.